Hello, sisters. I have a teaching that I had taught about four years ago from the book of Ruth that I'll be sharing with you on this podcast. It is a seven-part series, and we'll be going verse by verse through the book of Ruth. So grab your Bible or just listen while you're doing your daily tasks. Either way, the Word of God is going to get into you today. God bless you. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. And I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years. And I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. All right, so the book of Ruth. So a couple highlights. Let's talk about the Ruth. A couple things I just want to kind of set up before we get started is that a couple unique things about this book. There's only two books of the Bible that are written after women. Who's the other one? Somebody remember? Esther. Esther. But Esther was a Jewish woman. This is the only book written by written about a woman that is not Jewish. She's Gentile, a non-Jewish woman. I thought that was really cool because this book is going to set us up for the redemption of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament of Jesus Christ. And this book does a beautiful job at really showing us that as Gentiles, God has a redemption for us. And so having this in the Old Testament is just such a beautiful, beautiful story. And so you will see some of the key words here are going to be like redeem, redemption. Also how God used a, a Moabite woman, Ruth. She actually ends up being the lineage of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ ends up being in her lineage, which is such a beautiful story within itself. Especially if you guys were with us when we walked through the book of Ephesians. Just to see what was afforded to us because of Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of like the background. Uh, Ruth was probably written 
it was probably a story they're thinking about the middle of Judges. It's when we had the Judges, and we're going to kind of talk about that as we get into uh, verse number one here. And so we'll just start right now with verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the Judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, and be he and his wife and two sons. So we're going to stop right there. Book of Judges. So after the wilderness, they went into the promised land. God had judges that would oversee them. What would happen is the Israelites would be doing really good, and God was their king, and they would be obedient. And then all of a sudden, they would get corrupted by their own selves, you know, and start having idols before themselves and disobeying God's laws and God's commands. And then God, like he would talk about in Deuteronomy 28, the cursings and the blessings, so then the enemies would come into the land and the, and the, the rains would stop and no longer would they have crops because they were being disobedient to God. And this is like a theme throughout like the whole Old Testament. So then they would cry out, you know, oh God, forgive me, forgive us as a nation because they were hungry because, you know, they disobeyed God and now their enemies were coming against them or wild animals were coming against them or their crop, the rains stopped. And so typical Israelite, then they would repent and go back to God. Well, God would rise up a judge. And the judge would go after the enemies and make the land good again, and the rains would come again. And so we're kind of setting that up. We think this is probably about the middle of, of that when that was going on. So there was a certain man in Judah, and he went to, and it says here that there was a famine. So the judges ruled that there was a famine. So we see that once again, the Israelites must have been disobedient. A famine came in the land. God probably stopped the rains so that the crops wouldn't grow. So here's a famine. And a certain man in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem literally means house of bread. So it's interesting that it means house of bread where right now there is no bread. But who is the bread of life? Jesus. And Bethlehem is where he's born. Mm -hmm. So we already start to see just those types and shadows that the Old Testament gives us with Jesus. So went to dwell in the country of Moab to be with his wife and his two sons. Now I want to set this part up to you, the land of Moab. Moab was literally started by the Moabites. The first Moabite would have been Lot. Do we remember Lot and his wife Lot who left Sodom and Gomorrah and the wife was told not to look back and she did anyway and turns into the pillar of salt? Well he ends up having an incestual affair with his daughter. Okay everybody can go ooh see the Old Testament is very interesting. It's better than any R-rated movie you could ever rent. But he ends up having sex with his daughter and they have a son Moab. Well, that ended up being obviously a cursed lineage, okay, because of how he, that child was produced. And so we had the land of Moabites. So setting this story up, the land of Moabites have always pretty much been an enemy of God, an enemy of the Israelites. Their women were so sexually immoral and so full of such Jezebel spirits that they would literally go after and purposely seduce Israelite men in their sexual immorality. They were pagan worshipers and idol worshipers and they loved their pagan gods and their idols and so to, for him to take his family into this land was just such a slap in the face to God because this was an enemy God this place was a place of barrenness and it was a place of death and it's a place where God had cursed those people and yet he takes his family into that land. Yeah, it's sin. See, what, when, we, when we look at the Old Testament, and this is why I stay in the New Testament, I very rarely go into the Old Testament until I have you guys really understand the New Testament. The Old Testament was all about obedience to God and sin. And what the Old Testament did was showed us how destructive sin was. And it sets up why we needed a Savior to come. 
and why God had to come and die on a cross. Because sin destroys. Family curses destroy. It, it was the fact that he disobeyed God, was born in incest, and we want to automatically go, oh my gosh, that poor child, it's not his fault. But see, his sinful nature, we're all born in sin from Adam, and his sinful nature did not repent of that incest himself. He went on to live an immoral lifestyle himself as well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. He went on to lead people into sexual morality and pagan worship and idol worship as well, because that's what happens. You know, oftentimes those generational curses come through lineages. And if we don't stop it and we don't repent and, and completely turn away and then take charge, and we're going to see that, we're going to see how that works. This can, Old Testament can be really tough sometimes if we don't see it through the light of redemption. See, right now we're going to set up a story that's going to seem very mean, but then we're going to see the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in it. You know, and that's what's so beautiful. Okay, so that's what's happening here. So the name of the man was Emelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. Emelech literally means God is king. In the Old Testament, your name was everything. Your name was who you were. Your na they named you after your characteristics or after what they wanted in your life. I thought it was interesting that his name is God is king, yet he didn't trust God enough that in a famine he could provide. Now, Emelech would have known the stories of God. He would have known how God parted the Red Sea. He would have known how God created water from a rock. He would have known the stories of God pouring down manna onto heaven, right, over Moses and the people in the wilderness. He would have known the God that provides, even in the midst of when it seems like there's no way there's going to be provision. And yet, he chose to take his family and lead them into a land of barrenness and death because they were disobedience against God. The Moabites did not want God. They wanted their gods and their idols, which creates curses. If you repent and put your faith in God, we all have a life of curses before salvation. How fun was your life before that? How hard, how many hardships, how much did we go through before salvation? by making poor choices. So Emelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, which means pleasant one. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Chelon. Malan was like sickly and Chelon was like puny or pinning. Um, and then the Ephraimites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. I want to set this up, just understanding who these Moabites are when he took his family into this place. I'm going to take you guys back to 1 Corinthians. And we already went through 1 Corinthians, so this is going to be kind of a reminder. 1 Corinthians 10. This is the people where these women came into the camp and they seduced the Israelite men into having sexual immorality and worshiping pagan gods. And Paul reminds us of this in 1 Corinthians 10, starting with chapter 5. Now, he's talking about the, the Moabites here, this, this particular time in history. But when most of, of them, God was not well pleased, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, and they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it was written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play they were gluttons they were idol worshipers and they were sexually immoral now nor let us commit adult sexual immorality so paul's reminding the corinth church 
of the time when this happened in the Moabites. He's saying, don't commit that sexual immorality as some of them did in the one day that 23,000 fell dead. So remember, these women come in. They corrupted the Israelite men, caused the Israelite men to sin against God. And God, in his judgment, cursed them and they died. 23,000 people died in one day because of that. That's who we're talking about here. This is the Moabites. This is the Moabite women. And so now this man decides to take his family there. And I want to build something up with this because we talk about federal headship. Single ladies especially, I need you to listen. It's so important that you marry a man who is after God's heart, who is so submitted to Jesus Christ and getting his wisdom from Jesus Christ as he leads your family because we are to be submitted to that. We, man submits to God and we submit to our husbands. And so you wanna make sure you're submitted to a man who is submitted to Christ. Because here's what happens. When the man is not submitted to Christ, like it or not, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your children. It just does. It's how God designed it. It's not a chauvinistic thing. We have great value in the kingdom of God. We have beautiful gifts in the kingdom of God. But sin came through Adam, not through Eve. Eve's the one that technically ate the, the apple first. But sin does not come through her seed. It came through Adam's seed. And, and the righteousness and the redemption comes through Jesus. It doesn't come through Mary. It came through Jesus Christ. And it, our homes are to be established under male leadership and male authority. Now, men through ages, have they taken that and twisted that and abused women and used the Bible to hurt women? Oh, yes, dear God, they have. But they have a great mandate. It's called to love your wives as Christ loved the church. A godly man should be laying his, wife, his life down for you every day. He should be laying his life. It's, it's not an iron fist. They lead with love and compassion, but at the end of the day, they are the leaders of our home and the leaders of our children, and they should be leading us to God and leading us to God's ways. And here's Emelech. He decides that he can't trust God, and here's the thing that we, a lot of times we don't talk about. He could have gone to the east of the Jordan. There was food there, and that's where the Jews still lived. He didn't have to choose the pagan, because we can get kind of like, you know, well, he was just trying to provide for his family. He just didn't want to see his family starving. He could have gone to the east of the Jordan and, took among, and still been among the people of God. Why did he choose to take them into a place of barrenness and death? I don't know. I can't answer that. But it, we need to just really understand the value of federal headship and male leadership. They are, and then when they do make bad choices for our family, they're going to be the ones accountable before God. A lot rests on men's shoulders, even though many men don't realize it. They will be held accountable for how they led their families. So now we're just going to go right into what happens. Like, here's just three points. Boom, boom, boom. This is what happened. Verse 3. Then Emelach, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there for about 10 years. Then both Malam and Chaldean also died, so the women survived her two sons and her husband. Ultimately, she loses everything. She lost her husband, both of her sons, which we know men were the providers back then. Women didn't really have a way to provide. It was men who provided. She lost everything. 
because of this decision that her husband made. Her daughters-in-law didn't have children with the sons, married, but both barren, because that back in the Old Testament, that was considered a curse. When you disobeyed God, he would make you barren. One of the, the most important, greatest things and privileges in the Old Testament was to bear children in order for your lineage to continue. And when that didn't happen, that was a curse from God saying, I'm not only cutting you off, I'm cutting your name off. I'm cutting your lineage off. It stops right here. And that's what she was now facing because of the decisions of her husband. It ladies, like it or not, the poor decisions of our husbands or of your future husbands will affect you and your children. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much you seek God's face, no matter how much worship you have going on, no matter how much prayer you have going on, there's just something about the male leadership that just tends to have this pool in a house. And so if you're single here today, please heed the warning. Make sure you marry somebody that is truly saved and set free by Jesus Christ. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.